coming up next on the Passion Struck Podcast. Like I'll look tune and I'll listen to my body. I'll listen to what my body says. Am I moving this way? Am I moving this way? Like taking steps to trust our bodies more. Sleep it off. If I'm like, I'm staying in bed till 12, I just am. And I'm just going to sleep it off. It's okay to do that. But then I know I'm going to get up and go to the mat again. Welcome visionaries, creators, innovators, entrepreneurs, leaders, and growth seekers of all types to the Passion Struck Podcast. Hi, I'm John Miles, a peak performance coach, multi-industry CEO, Navy veteran, and entrepreneur on a mission to make passion go viral for millions worldwide. And each week I do so by sharing with you an inspirational message and interviewing high achievers from all walks of life who unlock their secrets and lessons to becoming passion struck. The purpose of our show is to serve you, the listener, by giving you tips, tasks, and activities you can use to achieve peak performance and pursue the passion-driven life you have always wanted to have. Now, let's become passion struck. Welcome back to episode 109 of the Passion Struck Podcast. And thank you to each and every one of you who comes back weekly to listen and learn, to live better, be better, and impact the world. And if you're new to the show or you would like to introduce it to a friend or family member, we now have episode starter packs both on our website and Spotify. These are collections of your favorite episode, group by topic, which gives any new listener a great way to get introduced to everything that we do here on the show. Just go to passionstruck.com slash starter packs. And I also wanted to take this moment to remind everyone that I'm getting ready to compete in the 4x4x48 challenge, March 4th through 6th. This challenge benefits nonprofits who are on the cutting edge of treating veterans with traumatic brain injury or post-traumatic stress disorder. I'll put links to how you can support this cause in the show notes. Today's guest is my friend, Katie Shinakis. Greek actress Katie Shinakis has globalized network television, landing roles on top series such as CSI, New York Cold Case, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, and Law and Order. The author actress, musician, voiceover artist, and social media influencer has crossed paths with Al Pacino, Robert De Niro, Jennifer Aniston, Morgan Freeman, Nicolas Cage, and Gary Sinise, to just name a few. She is an artist who uses her love of creativity to spread hope and love. You will find during our discussion that Katie has an ethos that surrounds her. We start the conversation with our mutual love of running and how competing in both high school and college, cross country and track influenced both of our lives. How Katie found her way into doing voiceover work and why she has now earned the label Cartoon Katie. We discuss her passion for NFTs and why she feels they are going to be so prominent in the future. Katie talks about her She's All Over the Place podcast and goes into the background for her season that just kicked off a couple weeks ago. I highly recommend you check it out. How her journey to becoming a Hollywood actor went from passion to profession, why she feels so strongly about mental health and staying true to your morals and values. She outlines her tangible steps to achieve any goal you want to achieve in life, and discusses why she wants to be a leader and role model for future generations. Thank you for choosing Passion Struck. 
and choosing me to be your host and guide on your journey to living an intentional life. Before we begin, I would like to emphasize that this podcast is part of my effort and desire to bring zero-cost information to the general public regarding how to unlock an intentional life. In keeping with that theme, I would like to thank the sponsors of today's episode. Our next partner is a product I literally use every day. I started taking Athletic Greens about six months ago because I wanted to achieve optimal performance and better gut health. And I can tell you that it does that and so much more. I've noticed an overall improvement in sleep quality, recovery from my daily exercise routines, and better mental clarity. I take it first thing in the morning with an eight ounce glass of water and various additional supplements. With one delicious scoop of Athletic Greens, you're absorbing 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, probiotics, and aptogens to help you start your day off right. And it costs you less than $3 a day. You're investing in your health and it's cheaper than your cold brew habit. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is go to athleticgreens.com slash passionstruck. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash passionstruck to take ownership of your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Thank you, 10,000, for sponsoring the podcast. Physical health is absolutely essential to me and forms the very foundation for achieving elite performance, which is why I work out daily. And if you're like me, it's hard to find training products that are built strong enough to stand up to my gym days, spin classes, CrossFit, and long hikes. That is why I absolutely love 10,000 Apparel and its dedication to continuous improvement. Their name references Malcolm Gladwell's prescription for perfection, and 10,000 is true to that philosophy and how they are making the highest quality, best fitting, and most comfortable training gear I have ever worn. I especially love their versatile, lightweight, breathable shirts and interval shorts, which feature an optional liner. They actually have a team of over 200 athletes testing their gear to ensure its dedication to creating a perfect fit trims fabric, and design. 10,000 is offering passion-struck listeners 15% off your purchase. Go to 10,000.cc and enter code passionstruck to get 15% off your purchase. That is T-E-N-T-H-O-U-S-A-N-D.cc and enter code passionstruck. Please consider those who support this show and make it possible to offer free to our listeners. And I know all these codes can be difficult to remember, so we put them in one convenient spot that you can go to at passionstruck.com slash deals. Now, back to Passionstruck. I am so excited about today's guest, Katie Kanakis. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you, John. I'm grateful to be here. Okay, so I, I have to start the interview with talking about Michigan because my my father grew up on Nine Mile, um, and I grew up with both parents, grandparents, aunt, all going to U- University of Michigan, and me getting to go up to Michigan a, a ton as a kid. Um, so I have to figure out where's your allegiance because you're kind of close where you grew up to both Lansing and Ann Arbor. Yeah, yeah, chic. So. Um... Yeah, I'm 30 minutes from Ann Arbor and 30 minutes from Detroit. So it's like Northville, Novi area. Do you know yeah. that area? I, I do. Yeah. Where did you go? Um, well, m- 
my grandmother's house was on Nine Mile, but we had relatives in Sterling Heights and Rochester and Rochester Heights, Bloomington. Okay. Yeah. So it's about 40, Rochester Hills is about 45 minutes away. Did you go to the lakes when you were visiting Michigan a lot? Did you go to the cabins and be on the water at all? Um, my uncle used to take me to the lakes. Um, honestly, where we would go for much of our summer vacation is the University of Michigan has an alumni camp that's on Lake Walloon, um, which is close to Petoskey. And so we would spend the summers there. And then we would always go to the MSU game and the OSU game. So depending on where they played, uh, we would spend most of that time around our cousins and relatives um, throughout the Detroit area. Yeah, Michigan's a great state. I love Michigan. I have family who still live there now. I was actually there for one year during the pandemic. It was amazing. <laughs> it was great. Like, uh, uh, my parents are retired. All the kids were out of the house. It was me there all by myself with my mom and dad. They were so chilled out. We, I, uh, as an actor, I was able to like catch up on shows and movies and do them with my mom. Sometimes we were up to like four or five in the morning watching The Crown. Um, it was, it was really nice and cozy. And then my Yaya's there, my Greek roots. So, you know, the family love and they're just always feeding you breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And they just held such great space for me, you know, so I could just be home and like one room was my office. One room was the voiceover recording studio that I built from my childhood closet, had the whole upstairs just as a sanctuary to spend the one year just kind of going on and it was tw 20 years two decades that I left home for my little girl dreams with my blueprint and then traveled the world and then had mentors and fulfilled those fantasies and those dreams so in 2020 20 years later I was home like just dismantling and reflecting the 20 years to you know create a new blueprint for myself and then to project you know uh, make a plan for God willing the next 20 years so it was it was a really prolific time. And, you know, Michigan, it has the Great Lakes. So it's surrounded by 70% of the water in America. So um, people, people love Michigan people. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, funny thing is my dad um, loves Greek restaurants, especially for breakfast. So wherever we lived after, you know, after he was from Michigan, it was always on the search for the best Greek breakfast restaurant that we could find, uh, which, mm. which yeah. uh, even to this, even to this day, now, now that I live in Florida, I still take him to the Greek restaurant when he comes here. So there's something um, I discovered that you and I have in common. Um, and that is when we were both in high school, we both ran cross country. Shut the front door. This is so cool. Yeah. So I, you know, I have to tell you, when I was in middle school, um, I, I was kind of a, a pudgy kid. I, I hadn't really hit my growth score yet. And between um, my eighth grade end of year in the summer, I ended up losing weight because I started running. And then I said, I'm going to start. I'm going to try out for this team. And um, the next year we won state. <laughs> we were the state champions. And then. I ended up uh, getting to participate in states and then ran competitively in college. But uh, for me, I learned so much from cross country and track. Not sure how you feel. Oh, yeah. well, which state were you in? 
Pennsylvania at the time. Pennsylvania at the time. Um, I feel the same thing. My whole um, metaphor, my module in my life um, of how my psychology of how I am is because of cross country running. My dad ran cross country. He turned me on to it in sixth grade. So I started running when I was in sixth grade. I ran in middle school, high school. I had a full scholarship for college. Um, my dad, because of my dad, I learned about short-term, medium-term, long-term goals, the micro, the macro, sowing the seeds in the garden, nurturing it, watching it grow and flourish. And then every three months, like doing a rake and then seeing which ones have blossomed and, um, and then just sowing more seeds. So with cross country, it really made me identify that. Yes, it's a team sport. It's a double win and it's an individual sport. And what I do as an individual affects the whole. So having that conscious awareness of a collective is what really like when I go to set and I'm working um, with 300 people, if I go to set and I'm working with 50 people um, going when I show up, how I present myself as an individual is going to affect everyone on set. It's a domino effect. Same thing in my partnerships and my friendships when I show up. It's like a, a collective. So I've always liked working um, with people, not so I, even though I'm an introvert and I like working by myself, I very much like working with people too. I like, like to research, find out my thing and then get outside of myself and say, Hey, John, what do you think about this? And, and have that communicative, communicative back and forth. Do you oh, well, I, relate? No, I, I, I completely relate because especially if you're trying to compete, um, in meets and everything, it's that first five runners and then potentially the six that, that matters. So you really have to have that, that team and understand what each one of your roles is and where you need to place. And, um, you know, what I found, uh, though was when I started out, I found I was becoming really nervous for the meets and those, and that nervousness would impact how good I was doing. And it, and then I kind of flipped my perspective that I needed to start um, treating practice like it was a meet and that I was competing against my teammates and that if I would run harder, they would run harder. And because I started taking that mental discipline into practice every day, regardless if we were doing a track workout or, you know, just running, just making sure that I was giving it my all. It completely changed how I interacted with uh, with races. Did you have any of that type of? Yeah. Uh... I really like what you just said because I think that uh, well, one thing um, I like the the competitive nature and the discipline that it gifted us, you know, to make us mind over matter, right? To be very strong. But I liked how you mentioned what you just said because it made me think that would, if you apply that to the workplace now it would show within the workplace, you can still be competitive in a healthy banter back and forth, like a healthy way with your teammates, but still like be friends at the end of the day. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I always like to ask this of cross country runners. Did you like cross country better or did you like track better? Cross country. I'm a long distance girl. I love the mountains, the up, the down, the going in the circles drove me crazy. Like I'm not, I'm not, I did, um, I did the half mile. I did not like the half mile because, you know, it's uh, not much. And then, um, um, I did the mile and the two miles. So I like the two mile the best. So I liked, I like longer distance. I love endurance. Like, and I think that's why I've been able to do what I've done in my life thus far because of the endurance that, you know, my family turned me on to cross country running 1000%. 
that's why it's really important for me. And this is on a psychological level too, pivoting a bit. Um, when, when I had children, God willing, I've always said it's important for them to do sports, no matter what the sport is, because you become an oak tree from within so solid that it really sets you up for life. However, the pressures of cross country, there was, it was like, there wasn't like, like the NBA or tennis, there wasn't the opportunities for cross country runners. So it, it, I really challenged was challenged with insecurity and in confidence in that area. Like there wasn't, um, some, a go-to place to have those kind of like brand partnership deals for cross country. It wasn't like considered a quote unquote cool sport. And so sometimes I'm like, why didn't I, why was, why didn't I have the security in that realm to make it like a cool sport, like an Anna Kornikova, right. To, to make cross country that way. But I tried and there wasn't those opportunities. However, I saw the pressures that parents and how kids felt with NBA and football and soccer. So I thought when, you know, God willing, when I have children one day, it's important for them to do sports, but not put the pressure on them that they have to go all the way to the NBA and this big whole illusion that a lot of parents do to children. I think it's very unfair, but it's very important as discipline for them to be a part of sports for their overall well-being for their life. No, I, I, I couldn't agree more. I, I think one of the biggest things that it taught me at a young age um, was it helped me with mental health be, because you, you know, you learned how to kind of live within your mind. And when you're running, you get a lot of time to think. Um, I, and I also think it helped me form some of my uh, initial conceptions around core values and what was going to drive me to be a better competitor um, as well. If I didn't have cross country running, I would not have done all the things I've done to this day. 1000%. And I get vulnerable when I say this because, um, like there just would have been too many distractions with cross country running, my blood flow, my discipline, my go getter attitude, um, you know, the oxygen to the brain. It just, it really made my brain very healthy. And I didn't know about mental health when I was a kid. I didn't know about mental health. It wasn't talked about. Like when I was in career decision-making class, there was a hundred words on the board, literally. And out of the hundred, you had to pick 20. And out of the 20, I put, and we, we had to put them in order. And for me, I put health as number one, because if you had your health, you could do everything on my, my list and everything on the board. But I was thinking physical health, like how I looked physically, my physique. I didn't think about um, mental health then, like I do now. But because of cross-country running, it protected me. It got me um, in a rotation at school with other individuals um, instead of just being at home watching TV and, and fighting with my siblings. And it, it just, it really, really, I think, saved me. Well, that's an awesome story to hear. Um, so I did want to ask you, um, we used to live in San Diego. And at the time, my son was really young. Uh, but when we would go up to L.A., we he was an adorable kid. And we were approached by like three or four agents, sometimes just on the beach or on Santa Monica Pier about, have you ever thought about having your son be a child actor? And we ended up uh, resisting it because we, we kind of wanted him to just have a normal life. Sometimes I look back and wonder if we should have done it. <laughs> but um, I, I kind of am using this as an entryway to how did you even get 
indoctrinated into acting? Was it something well, you wanted to do or were you found? Well, if I may, I would like to comment on what you just said, because from a skeptic standpoint and someone who's maybe listening and interested in getting in back then when those offerings were to you, maybe that's the way they did it then one, or maybe those are the, the ones who fish around to take people's money and they prey on you. So you never know, right? The flip of the coin. So even now, like when I first came to Hollywood at the end in 2001, and when people are very green and naive and they don't know about the industry, those kind of people will come after you. And if they want your money, run. If they want your money, run. If anyone's going to give you an opportunity, they're going to work for you and take 10% if you're union and 20% if you're non-union. So if someone's offering you an opportunity and they want your money, run. <laughs> okay. So I just wanted to that yeah, disclaimer. <laughs> 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 but uh, let's circle back around. And what, what what's the question again? Well, I, I guess it's how did you find that acting bug, and how did you you know go down this path? I always find this is interesting. Were you did someone approach you and and they thought you would be a natural at it, or was it something that you pursued? Well, um, it was always in my bones and, and in my soul. So I grew up very soulful and cultured and just really unconditional from the heart. And my mom was a singer and we were always watching entertainment things together. So naturally it was um, celebrated singing and poetry and literature and those kind of things. So it, there was a warm invitation and we would dance with my mom. We were kids to so like 80s music. Um, so I just, um, it was an intuitive hit. It was a calling. It was a knowing it was some, it was a force within my being where I, I was like hungry and pursued it. Right. Yeah. So, um, when we were at Ponderosa one time, it was like a Friday and we'd always go to Ponderosa. It was like the buffet and literally, uh, this family came up to me and they were asking my mom and dad, can we have our signature? And they thought it was Alicia Silverstone. And um, so that would happen. And I would be with my dad places and we were in line and they were like, are you a model? Oh, you should model like people with it was like it was like God's angels and spirits saying, hey, like go in this direction, do this. And so people people would say like, oh, you're like so gorgeous. Are you a model? You should model. And and so that kind of like percolated things and started bubbling within within self. Yeah. Yeah. And for and for you, what was that breakthrough? Uh, for you that, you know, kind of launched your career? Um, the thing that probably launched my career was when I um, made the move to California and I went through a series of having a full team and going through the motions of the process and the craft of acting, studying with William Alderson, the Meisner technique and uh, booking CSI New York. So that was my first on-screen cherry roll, I call it, with Gary Sinise um, and um, and the Greek actor, too, um, who's on the show, who I played with as well. Um, and so he gave me the best compliment of my whole entire career. I, you know, when we were just one-on-one -on -one and they do the, the close-up, the medium, the long, and they do the reverse on the cameras. And he said, um, you're a very soulful actor. And when he said that to me, it was just like so endearing. And I didn't like, I took it in, but now talking about it was like, wow, to receive that 
golden nugget so earlier on in your career is just really, you know, magnificent, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, what a wonderful com- compliment to get, especially on one of your earliest acting gigs. I, I just, And my team, they really loved it too, because with my voice and how quirky I am, they thought I was like going to um, book comedy right away. And I booked drama and they they were so ecstatic because they're like, oh yeah, when you can do drama, then, then they know you're a good actor. So I'm like, oh, cool, cool. We will be right back to the Passion Struck podcast. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp Online Therapy. And we often discuss mental health on the Passion Struck podcast and dealing with the stigma of seeking it. Is there something interfering with your happiness and preventing you from achieving your goals? For me, depression and anxiety significantly impacted my life until I took charge, got over my embarrassment, and sought out help. And luckily, there is a platform now that makes it so much easier to take that step and get therapy. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. I highly recommend that everyone turn to BetterHelp to get started and find a therapist who helps you look at things in a different way like they did for me. Their service is customized, accessible, and affordable, and you can be matched with a therapist in just 48 hours. And to that end, BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life and is offering passion-struck listeners 10% off your first month by visiting betterhelp.com slash passionstruck. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P dot com slash passionstruck and join over 2 million people who have taken charge of their mental health. Thank you so much for listening and supporting the show. And I realize all those codes and URLs can be difficult to remember, so we'll put them in the show notes for the episode. Please consider supporting those who support this show, make it possible, and free for our listeners. Now, back to Passion Struck. I'm going to go down two different paths with with this. So the first is I always like to ask, especially an actor, how they got their start. Because, you know, I I got to hear Hilary Swank's story and how she and her mom basically lived in a van for a very long time before she got, uh, I think it was Boys Don't Cry. And then when she did that film, she was only paid like $3,500, but she did it anyway. And and look what it launched. Um, But the the thing that I thought was funny is I I, um, happened to hear Matthew McConaughey talk about uh, how he kept getting typecast for rom-coms. And he's like, if I do another rom-com, I'm never going to be able to do anything else. So he's like, Someone offered me two million to do it. Then they came back and offered me four. And he goes, eventually I got up to 18 and I told him no every single time. And he goes, if I would have said yes, you know, I would have never gotten my Oscar and I never would have gotten this. And I, so it, it is interesting in that industry how you can get typecast. 1000%, 1000%. And I was always fighting that just, just the same as. With everything I've done in my career thus far, I didn't only want to focus on one thing. I wanted to do multiple things when people are like, oh, only do one thing. And I chose to, you know, be the rebel with the cause, right? So I did multiple things. 
but I had to make sure within my acting that I wasn't going to be typecast as well, you know, cause they tried to do it earlier on in your career. Um, and I just like fought it and wasn't interested in it. Now I have not been offered 18 million and I, I hope one day in the near future, I will, <laughs> that would be super cool. Um, but I know exactly, uh, what you're saying and, and what he means is yeah, 1000%. And that, that takes a lot of courage for an actor and a lot of will and strength to know yourself, Socrates, know thyself and understand your craft and your talent to know that you can do so much more. That's why in the, the digital age of electronics and stuff, a lot of like the actors, um, Jonah Hill and, um, Ellen Page, you know, they were going to the union to SAG after and they were on panels and they would say, Hey, with your cell phone, with the electronics, just go out and shoot something. And as creators, as humans, we have things roar inside of us. And we just want to like get it out, but we're waiting for someone else to validate us and give us the opportunity. And so it was like a, a it was like a blindfolded like permission to like go out there. I saw blue is the warmest color. She's a Greek actor from in Europe and she came over and she was talking about the director and how he was like, they had no hair, no makeup. And they were just like doing all these scenes. So then I went out, it was after I did this, um, uh, um, a commercial with Delta for the Olympics, right? The winter Olympics. And I met this cinematographer and he took the red, uh, the, the red camera from the set and all the equipment because all the tech guys you know they're all friends and they do things for friends and favors and stuff and we got all that stuff I got a location I produced it and I shot a piece called Red Egg and it's something that I needed to get out I wanted to explore jealousy I wanted to explore the emotion of anger I wanted to explore getting like a girl who had it all figured out and then social media came and she got a boyfriend and then she got involved with things she wouldn't normally get involved and she kind of got lost along the way. It's like this psychological thing where it's like demonic versus angelic and there's the juxtaposition within the short film. And then she comes out on the other side when she like talks to herself, but no one was gifting me that role. And so I gifted it to myself and I, I made the short film about it. And so um, that's a way th that can showcase to not only get it out of my being, my spirit, but you put it out to the universe to show the universe. Even if no one sees it, you're, you're showing up for the universe and you're letting them know, like, this is who I am. This is what I want. I'm not standing for anything less. And so it builds your chutzpah. It builds your <laughs> strength for that determination to pave your own lane. Right. And so, um, I love Matthew McConaughey and the roles he's done. And um, I love comedy and I love drama. You know, they're like, oh, comedy or drama. I'm like, both. <laughs> like, not just one. I can do both. And and so you just just do it, right? And not the illusion and the hacks of like needing everyone to validate you and to see it. Just create it and make it happen. Well, you never know what someone is going to be like. And I... I, I I've got a, a quick story for you um, that I think you'll like. So um, when I lived in Austin. Uh, we used to go to this church called Riverbend. And we've been going there for, for a little bit of time. And it was an amazing church because you would walk in and you would be like, man, that sounds like Chris Tomlin. Or that sounds like the lead singer from this Christian rock band. And it would be. They just had this draw where they could pull in these people. And so it was just a very popular place. But one day, um, a family 
sits down two two rows in front of us and we always kind of sat in the same place. And I keep looking at the guy and I'm like, man, he looks so familiar. You know, where where have we been at recently where I've seen him? But he looked different because he was kind of bald. He looked really thin. And my ex-wife just nails me in the side and she goes, you idiot, you're ruining this for me. That's Matthew McConaughey. And so, and so what was, yeah, what was amazing about this is you hear stories about what Matthew is like. And I got to know him for about 18 months that he was, that he was going to the church. And unfortunately he stopped going because paparazzi started bothering him, which to me is a whole nother thing. But my son was going through a really hard time at that time. We had moved him to Austin. He was struggling to find the right group of kids. He had gotten into the wrong group of kids. He didn't want to go to church. And then suddenly, not only does Matthew show up and he's carrying his kids on his shoulders and he's not the type who just walks out of church and disappears. He's at the playground. He's on, he's shooting basketball with the kids. He's talking to the kids and it completely changed my son and his willingness to come in. And it actually gave him confidence. So. To me, I have a lot of respect for, for Matthew and the person that people don't get to see behind the scenes anyway. <laughs> oh, I, I have chills. That is so sweet. Well, when I work with him in the near future, I'll, I'll share with him this story. <laughs> well, I, wow. hope you, I hope you get to because he seems like he'd be an awesome person to, to get to, to do that with. Well, yeah, 1000%. Yeah. So I'm going to um, turn this in a different direction. How in the world did you become Cartoon Katie? That's a good question. That's a really good question. Um, so what happened was I was um, I was uh, 2016, I think it was. Um, Bradford May is a director, and he called me up. Um he had a stand-in um, for this movie he was directing and like the stand-in wasn't available. And he asked me if I was available and a stand-in is someone who stands in for the lead actor. It was uh, Bo, his name, Casper. Um, he was with JLo for a few years. He, he started off as a dancer. He's a dancer. And then he did this boxing movie. Anyway, Bradford May called me up and asked me if I would be a stand-in and like, I'm a principal actor. Right. I'm a I'm a principal actor. So it's like a, a stand in is like interesting. But I, you know, worked, traveled the world, went everywhere, came back. And so it kind of ties into what you were saying earlier or what we what mentioned earlier that that I'll tie in here. But the thing about success and no ego and not being too good, because I've already done this and that it's all about relationships. And it's also all about going to the map. Just because you're an Olympian runner and you got the gold doesn't mean you're going to get the gold next time. So although like I already did all did all these heavy hitters, I was literally I accepted the invitation. I said yes. And I made so much money. Like I, I that was my first time ever standing in. And it was a, it was like a 16 week gig. So like it was consistent wow. work. I made so much money. And my car actually he liked my car. So my car is a lead in the movie. So not only is my car lead in the movie, I was a stand in and I got this amazing, you get like an amazing bump for your car. So my car was being paid to be in the movie too. It was so cool. So while I'm on set, I remember like there was someone in the crew department 
who is doing uh, the sound and they're and and they know me. They've like they know who I am and what I've done. And they look at me and they're just like, like, what are you doing here? Like, like, why are you doing this kind of job? You know, and this person was puzzled. Like you worked with De Niro and Pacino and now you're like doing a stand in job, you know? So it's like maybe there was that feeling at first of like, eh, but it's like, no, humble, like, like I am here and there was an opportunity and I want to work and I want to show up and I want to make money and I want to like rebuild myself up and like prove myself to myself. Right. That's the cool thing about cross country running is like, you're, even though it's a thing, you're, you're proving yourself to yourself. It's kind of like an interpersonal game, especially when I go for like auditions and things, I'm never really competing with anyone else. I'm really always like, and I don't want to say I'm competing with myself too, but I'm always just like having that interpersonal game within myself. Right. To, to go to the next level. Um, wait, but why am I telling you this story? What was the question? How you became Cartoon Katie. Oh, there we go. Here we go. So I'm, I'm on this job, right? And the cool thing was I was like doing so many auditions and the director, because he knows like I'm an on-screen actor, model and, and voiceover talent. When I had auditions or even a job, I had a job, he would let me leave and go and come back. And like, it was so cool. He was like, he was it was so awesome. But anyway, there were three Katie's on set. The cinematographer was Katie. There was another Katie and there was me. And because of my voice, he coined and called me Cartoon Katie. And that's how I branded Cartoon Katie because um, of my voice. And I do animation, video games, commercials. And I'm with Vox, the top five voiceover agency in the world. And um, um, Doc, he's called the VO doctor, the voiceover doctor. If you want to work in voiceover, you just go to, you just Google the voiceover doctor, see Bill Holmes, tell him we sent you over there. And um, he'll just have a phone conversation with you and he'll let you know, like, if you're a trailer voice, video games, promo, because there's so many different areas that you can work. Or if like your voice is hot right now, or that's 80s, or like, this is what's popular. So he's amazing. So he taught me about earlier on in 2014 about branding. And how like, so then I was just, you know, contemplating like, what's my brand? What's my brand? Da, da, da. And then Bradford May said cartoon Katie. And so I've always felt like a walking, talking billboard and cartoon. So it just stuck. Yeah, that's how it happened. So is that where you do most of your, your voiceover work now is in cartoons or is it uh, beyond that? Yeah, uh, commercials. I'm the voice of Wendy's. I, I just uh, recorded three campaigns for Wendy's, which is awesome. Um, you can see when you see the spots, there's Barry and Melinda. There are puppeteers and I'm Melinda and it's my voice. And so um, that's cool very that? exciting. <laughs> what? How cool is that? And then you get to see it on TV. That must be awesome. Yeah. And I was in Vegas for my birthday. And I, as long as I have my... My TLM 103 and my my studio setup, the quality soundproof studio setup for like my home, my my kid on the go and the Ethernet cable. Um, I was able to put the Ethernet um, cable right in. And I was in Vegas the day before my birthday, my birthday week, like recording three campaigns, three national huge campaigns. It was the coolest thing ever. I can be in Bali. I can be anywhere in the world. As long as I have technology with me, I'm good. As long as I have the Internet. Well, speaking it's so of birth- much fun. <laughs> I love voiceovers. I and I coach people. So I take during the pandemic, I took my cross country approach when we had some downtime. And I started doing industry coaching because everyone's on their own journey. So I'll do a Google document 
and give everyone like a one month, three month, six month plan, a year plan. And voiceovers, it's across country. It's for the long haul. If you just wanted to make the money, forget about it. If you have the love for it and you build, you need about one year to study the craft before you even do a demo reel. So I started doing that to uh, pay it forward with people. I think it's kind of like podcasting. I probably studied it for, you know, people ask, how in the world have you, are you already in the top 0.1% of podcasts? You haven't been around for a year. Well, I studied it for at least a year before I got into it. And then I got very specific on what I wanted to do and then practiced a whole bunch before I ever, ever even did the first one. Um, so to me, like what you're saying resonates because you got to be passionate about it. I mean, you have a podcast yourself, uh, which we'll talk about, but I mean, it takes a lot of work. It's yeah. Just, yeah. Good. And the, the thing is, it's like with now with voiceovers, it's, um, it's the craft. Number one, it's the craft. Um, it's, um, tech, it's the tech. And as a fellow podcaster, you're already set up with soundproof and with the, the mic and the tech stuff and editing. So that's, you have an upper hand there. And then the third aspect where you have an upper hand as well, you specifically is the cross country mentality. And that's what I teach my clients because it's psychological when you get into the booth to be able to compartmentalize and show up to the mic with your craft and your choices. But then it's like the, the gun goes off and you're off to the races until the job's done and nothing gets in the way until you, you know, do everything and you send it in and it's like a lightning bolt. So it's mind, body, spirit, you know, it's the craft, it's the tech and it's, it's psychological. And that's how I am such a great coach with empathy and compassion and patience with the short-term, medium-term, and long-term goals. Mm -hmm. And so that's one thing. And then the other thing, but did you want to say something? No, I was just going to say, I might have to reach out to you after this because I've always thought about doing voiceover work, but I was like, how in the world do you even get into it? Well, you call the voiceover doctor. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, I can I can guide you on your way. And anyone tuning in, they can... Go just go to chinakas.com, my website, and sign up for some coachings. But yeah, we'll talk and I'll give you some pointers and show you what's up. Um, and then so the thing about podcasting, I wanted to start my podcast nine years ago. I didn't know how to get on the train tracks. And so finally, when I learned to get on the train tracks in 2019, I was off to the races. But what happened is the last, you know, five years of voiceovers, this is what happens. They say, um, they'll give you a celebrity prototype. For me, it's Scarlett Johansson, Emma Stone, young Demi Moore, you know, so they'll give you a, like a sound like, tonality for my voice. Yeah. Right. They'll give you a sound tonality for like commercials. Um, or they'll give you an animation show, a character or a movie. And then very specific of like Mabel Pines or like someone from Disney or, you know, they'll give you like a tone of like not cartoony or cartoony or grounded reality dry or just your normal voice. Right. Or very rarely, very rarely, they'll say they'll send you a clip of a podcaster and they're like, we want it like this, very conversational. Or now, because audio dramas are coming in, I'm getting auditions once or three times a month for um, audio dramas for scripted podcasts, right? So that's like, those are like the four ways when they send over referrals of the tonalities of video games and shows of what they want. And so my mentality nine years ago, was, um, you know, I want to do my podcast and have the brands and the people hear my voice and call the team to say, hey, we want her voice, Katie Chinakis's voice. Let's have her voice, right? Um, yeah, so so um, it goes hand in hand, podcasting, 
acting, and voiceovers. They go hand in hand because lastly, in the 21st century now, right? Before it was like punked. Rip, Ashton Kutcher showed his personality through punked. Yeah. He was Ashton Kutcher. And then producers, casting directors could call his team to hire him in a union scripted film. Now, people in the 21st century on social media, you show who you are, what you stand for, mental health. I'm an advocate for LGBTQA plus community. I'm an advocate for people who have faith. I'm an advocate for ethics, morals, and values and paying it forward and, you know, being a role model to the, to the younger generations, to my peers and to people who are um, older than me, you know, to shape shift and, you know, revitalize their energy. This Bill Alexander, he was in the podcasting game for over 20 years and I gave him tips and he came back and had me on his show and thanked me. He got seven radio station on seven radio stations, a local TV channel and revitalized his podcast from what I told him. And he's back at it. And he says he's feel like over 20 years younger. So then he's like 60 something years old. And like that touches me and I want to make an impact for all. So if I can do that of you know, my over 20 years in experience in entertainment and arts and inter- in a- entertainment with ethics, morals and values and traveling the world and say, hey, it's not right or wrong, but this is how I started. This is my story. And this is the trajectory of where I want it to go or where it has gone. I can say, hey, what I did in 10 years, if you can do it in two months, cool, let's hack it together. And I want to hold hands. And I feel like, I'm one of God's angels. And that's one of my purposes in life to be the voice. Because I remember when I was 12 and I I had ancient wisdom in me and I was always getting this ancient wisdom. And I'm like, I wish someone would lead thy way and show me. And I said, I'm going to do that for other people. I'm going to do that because other people can. Some people do. And I find more people can do that, you know, take more action for one another. Because that's awesome. So at the top. So when you were uh, 12, were people calling you an old soul? Yep. My whole life. (laughs) Get ready to supercharge your hiring experience with Indeed, our fantastic partner. We at PassionStruck are all about seeking smarter, more efficient ways to do things. And Indeed perfectly aligns with this philosophy when it comes to hiring. It's more than just a job site. It's a comprehensive platform. That revolutionizes the way you find the perfect candidates. With its powerful matching engine and over 350 million global monthly visitors, Indeed streamlines the hiring process, bringing top talent straight to you. No more sifting through endless unqualified resumes. Indeed does the heavy lifting just for you. And what I love about Indeed is its ability to centralize all your hiring activities. From scheduling interviews and screening applicants to messaging candidates, it's all in one place. During my career, I've hired thousands of employees, and I only wish I had Indeed's efficiency and speed back then. And here's a fact that absolutely blows my mind. 93% of employers, according to a recent survey, say Indeed delivers the best quality matches over other job sites. That's quality and speed hand in hand. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash passionstruck. Just go to Indeed.com slash Passionstruck right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Passionstruck. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I know all those discount codes are difficult to remember, so we put them all at Passionstruck.com slash deals. Now, back to Passionstruck. 
It's interesting how some people have that. I'm, I'm guessing you might be an empath as well. Yes, I'm an empath and an HSP, a highly sensitive person. Yes, doesn't surprise me. Um, and I'm <laughs> sure the empath has helped you significantly in, in your career, especially with your profession. Really, really, really has. Um, really has. On a personal level, um, on a professional and personal level, by being a quiet observer and as a human being an observer, um, on a professional level, cool. On a personal level, staying quiet, I felt restricted without letting my emotions out, right? And so I had some interpersonal challenges with that, with um, being okay with not being okay and being vulnerable and um, going on, growing through the journey to find out the power of vulnerability, Brene Brown, and um, being in tuned with Caroline Mice, MYSS, Mystic Intuitives, um, you know, to be open with my heart and be okay with letting it out because I'm a poet. And I mean, I could just cry every day and I write about love. That's the kind of poet I am. Um, and, you know, m the dad side of my family is all unconditional, unconditional with culture and stuff. And then the other side of my family, you know, you kind of don't show your emotions. You don't talk about what's going on, but it's important to let people know what's going on in a healthy way. So it dissipates so you can get to the next thing instead of holding on to that pent up stuff that's miscalculated. And then you don't talk to people for ten, one, one day, two days, that turns into 10 days, that turns into 10 months, that turns into 10 years. And that's so sad. You know, when I was younger, coming to California, seeing like how close I was with my family. And then people said, oh, they don't even go home for the holidays and they don't even talk to their family. And it's just, it was so sad to me. And now I understand how that happens because three days turns into three decades and then they're gone. And from, from one belief and one miscommunication, if someone had more empathy and compassion and just communicate, communicated, I'm not okay. Or, Hey, this thing, but it was like, oh, it wasn't blue. It was actually green. Oh, it was, you know, just so small minded. So, so like in our, in our heads instead of in our hearts and in our gut and we're primal beings. So it's why I want to be able to bust out of the illusion in the cage of not being able to show the emotion, like allowing it to come out is so important, no matter how it comes out and let it be the ocean waves coming out messy, start messy one step at a time. Well, thank you for being so vulnerable about that. And, and I'm sure a, a listener who's tuning in to this um, would be sitting here thinking, Katie has got all of this. She's an actress. She's She knows Jennifer Aniston. She knows Nicolas Cage. She doesn't have bad days. And I think what people fail to realize is we all have bad days. And what did you learn within yourself that allowed you to become this authentic self that you are, which is why I really wanted you on the podcast is because you are authentic. I, th I don't think it should be cartoon, Katie. I think it should be authentic, Katie, um, because that's what you represent. But I'm sure it didn't become that overnight. And thank you so much. And I'll, I'll take note of that authentic, Katie, for branding. Thank you. <laughs> I'll take note of that one. Uh, and um it's honestly, it's a journey and I'm still growing through it. It's a transition and it's a continuum. And that's the beautiful thing about life. You have these ahas and then you're kind of calculating and it's a daily practice to show up. It's 
how we respond to what happens. So for example, a lot of people, they don't want that scary, bad thing to happen or that breakup or to be alone or that thing because of how tormenting or how a tornado was, but we're not going to react to it how we once were because we've evolved and grown so much. We're not going to react to it in the same way. So although it may be a scary place to go to, we don't have to react how we once did. And in our minds, we think we're going to do that's the fear, but we're actually going to have God's grace and the tools that we've learned from listening to podcasts and people like Abraham Hicks and Caroline Mice and Dr. Joe Dispenza and Gabor Mate, who demystifies, you know, um, trauma and how we're all traumatized, you know? And so with the, you know, with the day of the information and actually knowing the knowledge and then hacking and applying it, we're not alone. We don't have to grieve alone. We don't have to do the hard days alone. We were taught to isolate, to go to your room and cry and to put stuff your head in a pillow and cry and be alone. But my girlfriend was just telling me about this book recently and uh, we're very primal beings. And a lot of the pack, when they get together, they reach homeostasis and all the negative ions and all those tormenting things aren't there anymore because they, they're a pack and they heal together. Congregations going to communities and churches, they come together to grieve when someone passes, when people come together, you come together as a collective. So we don't have to isolate and be alone. And when we communicate those short-term beliefs and those things, we can, you know, get through those things together instead of growing through those things alone. We may need time to be alone and that's okay. And that's okay. And, and do that. But then also, you know, don't go off the cliff, like come, come back, you know, and, and, and there's no going back, actually go forward and find new ground with new people. Even if it's just one, it doesn't have to be with everyone you already, already knew and what you already always known. Like that's the cool thing about showing up with the white canvas. And I highly suggest mastery of love by Miguel Ruiz. Um, and we're very primal beings and then we're domesticated. And so breaking out of our own prisons and getting in spirit inspired, shape-shifting the energy one step at a time, one breath at a time. And it's so important. People don't understand and it's woo-woo, but what we breathe in and what we breathe out and just be aware of the breath of when it comes out. Like when I'm in a trauma triggered state or anxiety or frantic or whatever, the breath will be choppy like an ocean wave. So just Wim Hof, H-O-F is great. He has a 10 minute thing just to get really deep within the body. It moves the energy around and just, it really allows us to get into our body because we have these 60 to 70,000 thoughts per day, according to Dr. Joe Dispenza. And it's like a cross country running track. We're just going around in circle. So you have to get past those neurotransmitters and those concrete thoughts that we have. And to break into those is shape-shifting your attention. We can only focus on one thing at a time. What are we focusing on? People, if they're stuck, they're focusing on what they don't want and they're magnifying more of what they don't want. So it's like, what do I want? Toes in the sand, toes in the sand, journal, toes in the sand, journal what you do want, journal what you don't want, but journal what you do want. Well, it's, it's, it's amazing how many people credit uh, the law of attraction or the, you know, the law of the universe for getting what comes to them. And I, I'm a true believer that if you imagine yourself in the life that you want, 
you, you can then start taking the steps to go after it. But you've got to be able to make that choice that you're willing to pursue it, then kind of perceive what you think your life can become and then take deliberate actions to get there. Um, and, you know, one of the things that you just brought up, I, I call it uh, the mosquito um, auditor um, phenomenon. Um, and what I mean by it is sometimes just like pesky m mosquitoes are around you, you've got to get the pesky mosquitoes out of your life. And I call them like the invisible suffocators, the pain in the asses, the, you know, et cetera, who, whether it's actions that you're taking, habits that you formed, people that you're hanging out with, sometimes they're just taking you, all of them are taking you down the wrong path to accomplish that thing that you want to accomplish. Yep. I call them leeches. You just don't even know they're leeching on you. And they're just little by little, you're helping out everyone like a butterfly. You're helping out everyone and they're just distracting you and they're just sucking you. And you just, just take off the leeches one by one or take off the leeches and you're just like, whoa, you have all this abundance and all this energy for, for you Well, and I not feeling guilty about it. And the thing is, if something's going on in life, don't feel guilty. And if you want to feel guilty, feel guilty, but it's okay to cry for a day or three days or for a week, like let it out. Grieving is so important. It's cry, let it out, sleep it off, like sleep, sleep, like really sleep. It, it, the body repairs itself and Sleeping off the heavy weight, the emotions will pass. Sleep it off. Don't feel guilty for sleeping. The body needs to rest. Our body is, you know, our intelligent. Our that's how I'm so grateful for cross country because it's not just your your mind brain. We have our heart brain, we have our gut brain, and we have the brains in our intelligence of our body. You know, on a cellular level. And so, as an empath, like I'll attune and I'll listen to my my body. I'll listen to what my body says. Am I moving this way? Am I moving this way? Like taking steps to trust our bodies more, you know, sleep it off. If I'm like, I'm staying in bed till 12, I, I just am. And I'm just going to sleep it off. It's okay to do that. But then I know I'm going to get up and go to the mat again. Well, I, I, I think that's amazing advice. Well, I was hoping if you don't mind that I could read something because I, I got to to read parts of your poetry book, and I thought this passage was just beautiful. Um, and, and it says, it's driving me crazy, this feeling inside. I can't call you. I'm thinking, feeling you. I don't understand this love. One day is everything is so perfect, so precious, so fine, so pure. The next day we were so infected. Please, please why has love poisoned us? And then it goes on beyond there. But um you know, I could feel the emotion from you in those words coming off the page. And um, I was I'm reading that uh, so the listeners can get a sense of what's in your book. Um, but can you kind of talk about where this poetry book came from? Um, sure. Because it, yeah. So um, that piece specifically. Um, I was in Malibu when I wrote that piece and it's and it's really apropos to the days to the, if you look at the universe and when you read that first poem in the book of a lover's fairy tale, um, oh, my podcast is called She's All Over the Place, by the way. She's All Over the Place podcast, <laughs> uh, 68 episodes um, available um, to tune into. But a lover's fairy tale, if you look at, um, 
look how beautiful our lives are and how great everything. And then one day we're just like poisoned. Right. So it's like, that's what happened with the pandemic. It's like, we didn't realize how great we had it until what happened. Now people are like, Oh my God. And it's like, you know, like we took advantage of like what we had that was so good. Um, so a lover's fairy tale. Um, I was a little girl and my, tra- my dream was to travel the world. And I was celibate for seven years. I had no sex. And I made a commitment to uh, myself and to God and to the universe that I wanted to explore the world untainted. And I wanted to see the life and the fruits and the culture and everything life had to offer me and fill up my cup fully and really receive the gift of life before going and having a family and having children of my own. Because I heard when I was a kid, when you have a child, oh, it's not about you. Your life's over. That's not true. You, I'm sure you have new forms of life, but you know, some, there are some scripts appearing that growing up. So I'm like, I really want to make a choice. And I made a bold, strong choice to, you know, I saw girls and boys and how they were players or intimacy issues and crime. And my boyfriend doesn't want me to do this and this. And I'm like, I don't want to deal with any of that stuff. Like, I just want to like, see why I'm here. So I went around the world and I wrote poetry and I was in ecstasy and nirvana. And I was in these magical places with dolphins and waterfalls and, and, and castles and all these great places. And I was writing these poetries. And so lover's fairy tales for all genders and all ages about um, the magical gift of life and the universe of love, of unconditional love, untainted. Um, and it's a fantasy. And so I, I, I write it in hopes, you know, there are a lot of people who don't travel the world. There's a lot of people who just want to stay in their hometown. But I know through literature, we can go everywhere around the world without leaving our homes. And so for the people who, you know, travel and who can identify with the places and the people who like love and the people who want to be inspired and the people who haven't gone to these places and they read my poetry, they can have a slice of that gift from me and essence in the presence of how we're all connected through divine grace. And they can, you know, get out of their own mind, you know, and shape shift into inspiration. So that is my goal for a lover's fairy tale. And if they go to loversfairytale.com or chinakas.com, there's an email, there's an automation, and it sends a playlist of visceral spoken word music videos that I produced to um, nine out of the 11 pieces. Okay. Well, that's great. Um, well, and I, I have been enjoy- enjoying reading it. So thank you for uh, the copy that you sent me. I My pleasure. It. Well, yeah. I would, I, so I did. I mean, I can't be a podcaster and not talk about your podcast. So that was, that was going to be one of the next topics. So, um, so your, your pot podcast is, um, seasons and you pick specific themes. Is that correct? Yes. Uh, season three was poetry. Uh, season four, it's women empowerment and it's exploring divine femininity in all genders. And also I'm definitely um, heavy in the blockchain NFT space. So it's educational information uh, about NFTs and blockchain, but it's not financial advice. It's just sharing other people's stories of how they got into the space and what they're doing as artists to utilize the new Web3 and the revolutionary time that we're in. Okay, so I, I have to go to this NFT thing. I mean, I hear Tom Billy talking about it. I've heard Michael Saylor talking about it. I have friends who are doing it. I know you put these things on an app called Open Seas, but I don't understand um, the whole mechanics behind it because 
you know, I'm seeing NFTs that are these crazy graffiti monkeys that are getting five. Board apes. Yeah, they're, they're board they're, apes. Yeah, they're getting hundreds of thousands of dollars. And, and I, millions. So, so if you're someone and they don't understand NFTs, and I feel like I am such a novice in this, what is, what is this phenomenon all about? And why should we all be getting into it? It's, it's a non-fungible token. That's an NFT. And it's decentralizing um, the way everything is because we're shape-shifting into evolved new dimensions. And it's not a quick thing like get rich overnight. It's, it's community building and onboarding people. So to onboard you, to onboard people, especially onboarding more women in the space, I'm a voice for people to show them how to do it and introduce them um, to people who are doing it better than I am. And it's, it's a community. It's kind of like, it's kind of like this, where, where there was the gold rush and everyone came to California to physically mine gold. And now with technology and how smart we are and how great things are, it's mining digitally. So it's the choices that we're making and we're mining digitally without having to physically mine. Okay. Um, well, I think that's a great explanation, as good as anyone I've heard. Um, I did. And it's great for artists. There's no gas fees for artists. The collector pays the gas fees when they pick up the piece. It's bringing power back to the artist because if you're a musician or, um, you know, have a physical painting in a gallery, you have to, or you have a book, you have to jump through hoops to find uh, a book publisher to, to find a gallery. You have to jump through hoops. You have to get the validation outside of you. Now I can do my work. It doesn't matter what anyone else thinks. I can just put it up on a platform going into 2022. Um, I was just at Art Basel um, and I'm going to actually be um, curating um, a whole series with Hey Lair. And it's all about women empowerment and women in the space of NFTs in the blockchain. Um, so I'll be releasing some projects on there, which is really exciting. Um, I'm, you're the first to know because I just had the meeting with the team yesterday. Awesome. And, uh, yeah. And, um, and so basically, um, I can put up the, the, the piece and then I can set the commission rate of 10%. So every time, let's say the Mona Lisa or my artwork or any piece sells, every time it sells and resells, I get that 10% every time. Although it'll resell and resell and resell because of the intelligence of blockchain, I'll get that 10%. That's like the standard you put it at. That's what I put it at, 10%. Um, I'll get that 10% back. Now, if you sell it to a gallery and you sell it, you just get a one-off commission. There's no residual income. So it's kind of like being a union actor. I get residual income because they do it in cycles. But as a non-union actor, you'll get paid like 3000 20000 50000 and then you won't get the money again. It's a one and done and they can use it for the, the rest of time. Well, in the union, it's residual. So with the blockchain, for artists, you have this amazing photo of Nas, which my friend does. He puts it on the blockchain. Someone buys it. Every time it sells, he gets 10% of that. Every time. Okay. It's I generational wealth. And your podcast can be NFTs. You can release your podcast as NFTs. No All kidding. my podcasts are releasing as NFTs. So the... The uh, the album cover or the actual the album cover, the episodes, all selling them as NFTs. You can do one of one, 
you can do limited edition. There can be like a a, a collect a collection. It's anything you want. It's any. There's no rules. It's whatever you want. The most important thing is there's a white paper. It's the contract. So just read the white paper before getting involved with anything. And also, you cannot when you get wallets. There's hard wallets and cold wallets. And you want to get a hard wallet. And when you get a wallet, like I have MetaMask. But when you get wallet, but they're ma- they're making the technology a lot simpler, so people don't have to do seed phrases and certain things like that, um, because people are losing their wallets and pe- you know, and then you lose everything. So you have to be a, a smart shopper, like you have to be responsible, you know. Um, but they are making technology uh, platforms easier, so people don't have to do some of those things where you can actually just use your credit card. Okay. Well, and then. The last thing I did want to go into um, is who is Kiriaki? Kiriaki. Yes. Kiriaki is a saint. Saint Kiriaki. It's who I'm named after. I'm named after my yaya, my bestest friend in the world. She's 92. She's growing strong. She's healthy. I'm so much like her. She's a poet. It's where I get my poetry from. She sings. She dances. She's gorgeous. She's amazing. Um, she's from the island of Hios. Um, her, the village is called, um, the South village called Cardamula. And she came over from the old country to provide a better life for her now family. And I went to California to provide a, you know, opportunity for my family as well. And, uh, St. Kiriaki is a saint. She was a martyr. And, um, it also means Sunday in Greek. Today is not Sunday. Today is Sunday if you're listening to this on a Sunday. So um, Sikiriaki is uh, who I'm named after. And um, yeah, so I've always, it's really weird because people call me Katie Chinakis or Kiriaki or Kiki was my nickname or Katie Coco. So I've always had like all these different names. Uh, Saint Kiriaki um, was a prominent saint. And um, through my musical journey as modeling growing up, my comp card um, was Kiriaki and acting was Katie Chinakis. And um, 11-11, my birthday, I released a debut solo album called Dreamland 11-11. And it's streaming everywhere. And I have two music videos on my YouTube channel. And um, and St. Kiriaki is me um, honoring um, who I'm named after, her dedication to the Lord and who she was. And I've had ceremonies with her because I was needing to feeling the responsibility to fill big shoes, you know, at a very young age. And I was actually holding myself back a lot and, um, you know, kind of, I don't want to say, uh, watching or living in her shadow, but I had to do like a, a, a ceremony to dismantle who, who she is, what she served, how she, what she stood for to say, Hey, like I got this in the 21st century in the new world, still with honor and dignity, but, you know, um, honoring her story and her lineage. And I feel it's a part of my calling to do that as well through, you know, being one of God's angels. And so that's who St. Kiriaki is. And I'm, I'm excited to share more of her with people through, uh, you know, my culture of Greek tradition. And that is, you know, being in honor and with your word and dedicated with ethics, morals, and values and um, sacrifice too. Okay. Well, great. Well, 
thank you for, for telling us all about that and the linkage to you and, and why it's so important. So if someone um, who's listening today wanted to know more about you, what are some of the ways that they can reach you on social media? I'm on all social media platforms, every single one you can think about. So just Chinakas, C-H-O-N-A-C-A-S. Um, web, my website, Chinakas.com, links to all of them too. So that's the best way. And you can contact me through my website and then, um, you know, support my work, subscribe, like on YouTube. I'm on all the social media platforms, Twitter, Katie Chinakis, Instagram, Chinakis, uh, Clubhouse, LinkedIn. Um, yeah. So yeah, I'm on, I'm on Patreon, but I haven't really, um, you know, focused on it. But if y'all want to sponsor my, or sponsor, be a part of my Patreon, um, I, I don't have the legs going on that one yet, but yeah. Okay. Well, I'll make sure they're oh. all, oh, go ahead. Yeah. But listen to the podcast. I mean, for more valuable information, uh, she's all over the place. Podcast is definitely tune into 68 episodes, get caught up because we're uh, launching uh, the women empowerment series coupled with um, the divine femininity, which goes hand in hand with my album, Dreamland 1111 under St. Kiriaki. It, it's all about exploring divine femininity in all genders and uh, claiming and reclaiming one's power. Because I feel like I'm growing through that right now, reclaiming my power, especially with the story I just told you, you know, not living in someone else's shoes and reclaiming my power as a young adult. Awesome. Well, Katie, I always end the podcast by asking the guests um, three or four fun questions. So, um, I'm going to ask you two that have nothing to do with acting and then two with about acting. So the first one I always like to ask us is you are selected by NASA to be one of the astronauts who gets to go explore a new planet. And they tell you, you can put in one rule or law that will stay forever for that planet. What would you think? One rule and law to be forever on that planet Everyone must have and lead with kindness only, only kindness. If it's not kind, no one speaks. There's only kindness and compassion. Okay. Um, if you got to be the guest host for the late, late show one night and you could have an artist in the car with you to do karaoke, who would you want to do it with? Just one artist. Yeah, I'll let you have two. <laughs> I, um, oh, God, it's getting me so excited. Okay, oh, I'm saying I'm saying Billie Eilish, and and I don't know why Justin Bieber comes up, but it, but I mean, come on, um, artist Leonardo da Vinci would be super cool. <laughs> yeah, that would be awesome. Yeah. Well, well, I guess, but I definitely think Meryl Streep. I know I'm going on a tangent. Okay, it would be fun to see Meryl Streep sing. That's for sure. Yeah, we got to throw uh, in Reese Witherspoon there too. Come on. Yes. Well, I've heard her sing before. <laughs> oh really? Um, oh yeah. Yeah. On the on the one where she won the Academy Award. Yes, and I think she's got a new one coming out too. Uh, actually, with Matthew McConaughey, which she sings too. They're amazing, both of them. Wow. Oh, God. Um. So I'm, I'm now going to go two questions about acting. If 
and and maybe I just got the answer right there. But if there was an actor that you haven't had the chance to act with yet, um, who would who would be on the top of your bucket list? Well, I'm going to pivot it and I'm going to say I would like to be cast on uh, the morning show because then I get to pick Jennifer Aniston and Reese Witherspoon. <laughs> Good answer. Nice yeah. way to turn that around. Okay, and then. Um, I have to ask call me you, difficult. Call me difficult. I have to ask you a question about Morgan Freeman um, to see if you can confirm this. So I had a friend um, when he was filming uh, Dolphin Tale who did his makeup, and they would say that Morgan Freeman would be asleep. They would do the makeup. He'd get the casting call. He'd just wake up, be as alert as anything, walk on the stage, completely do his part, sit back down and fall asleep. <laughs> I was like, there is no way that that's what happened. And he said he would just, like the first time, he would just nail it. Um, so my, my question is, is like he that good that he just is one of those people who can just do these things in one take? Yep. And that's how I am too. I always get it on the first shot. And when I worked with him in Bulgaria, calm, cool, collected, walked the set, hit his mark, was very graceful, acknowledged me, quiet, you know, talks with the director quietly. It's not loud on set, making a big commotion. His energy is just really like in, um, but hit all his marks. We just did our scenes together and boom, like it was just like smooth. Very smooth, very smooth. And I think 1000% it's, I can see that being so true about what actualizing about what you said, because when you're Morgan Freeman and you have probably the same makeup artist who knows you, who knows how to touch you in such a way, he's so comfortable that he has this probably routine of lying down or whatever, and they just do it. And he's probably like sleeping or meditating or going over his lines. Almost it's, it can actually, when someone's doing your hair or your makeup, it can be very therapeutic. And if your eyes oh. are open, you're with the lights, you're talking, you're distracted, and you have to go in and prepare, it's almost better to be in a deep meditative state so you can just go so inside like a turtle, right? So introverted, so you can just be here for the, the camera. So it's all living on inside. So I I think I should use that technique moving forward. Like, you know, I think well. it's a great gateway to be able to, you know, dismantle having to talk to hair and makeup and stuff because it's a very chatty time and maybe you need to prepare for a role in a way. But yeah, being Morgan Freeman, he probably has his go-to person who does his face. Well, I always uh, suspected he was meditating. And interestingly enough, I mean, if you've seen any Tina Turner performances, I'm always like, how does she deliver night in, night out? Well, an hour before, for an hour before each show, she meditates before she gets on and imagines the performance that she's going to get. So yeah. I'm, I'm thinking maybe that's the same thing Morgan Freeman does. I do it as well. I do it as well. I made it when I was a kid, I made an announcement before I won Miss Michigan team. I put it in the paper that I was um, going to run this race and, and when, and I did. <laughs> I, it was in the paper before I actually went to the pageant. Huh. And my, my coach was like, what is this? And like I'm, I'm saying, I'm. It's printed in the paper that I'm going to win, and I did. I got, I got a. Before I end, I got a funny story for you. So, like three years ago, 
maybe a little bit longer than that. I'm at a beach bar on St. Pete Beach and we meet. I knew one of the girls. She had a friend visiting from Michigan. Beautiful girl. Um, but she says to us, I'm going to be Miss Michigan and I'm going to win Miss whatever it is, the nationwide contest. Last week, I saw she won Miss Michigan. It's like, you know, it, it goes back to if you put it out there and you do the work to, to get there, you know, you can make your, your dreams become a reality. But since you, you were Miss Teen Michigan, I, I, Miss Michigan Teen, it was Motor City. So it was, there was, there's so many of them, but yeah, it was Miss Michigan Teen Motor City. Yeah. Okay. Well, they competed in Miss Michigan Teen as well. That was a different one. Well, thank you so much for, for being on the podcast and sharing so much vulnerability and all that you are. Thank you. John, I'm so grateful for you. Thank you so much for having me on. This was a delight. And I would love to come back in the near future, like when I'm doing a big movie with Matthew McConaughey or Reese Witherspoon or on a new TV show or something. So stay in touch. Now we're friends. So Okay. That would be awesome. Thank you. Look me up when you're in New York or LA. I would love that too, or Michigan. We'll have lunch. Okay. Thank you. Cool. Yeah. Thank you. I had such a fun time doing that interview with my friend, Katie Shinakis, and she is someone I would urge all of you follow because she is into so many dynamic things, ranging from her music to the work she's doing now around NFTs to her acting career, her voiceover work, and so much more. And if there is someone like Katie who you would like to see me interview or a question you might have that you want to hear me answer or a topic that you want to hear me discuss, you can reach out to me on Momentum Friday at passionstruck.com on Instagram at John R. Miles or LinkedIn at John Miles. I also wanted to talk to you about some of the upcoming guests that we have on the Passion Struck podcast, which includes New York best-selling authors, Admiral James Stavridis, Gretchen Rubin, and Susan Kane. We also have astronaut Nicole Stott, Jordan Harbinger, and also Rear Admiral Tim Gallaudet, the former Undersecretary of Commerce. Thank you so much for continuing to support our movement of helping people unlock their purpose and create intentional lives. Now go out there and live life passion struck. Thank you so much for joining us. The purpose of our show is to make passion go viral. And we do that by sharing with you the knowledge and skills that you need to unlock your hidden potential. If you want to hear more, please subscribe to the Passion Struck podcast on Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcasts at. And if you absolutely love this episode, we'd appreciate a five-star rating on iTunes and you sharing it with three of your most growth-minded friends so they can post it as well to their social accounts and help us grow our Passion Struck community. If you'd like to learn more about the show, and our mission, you can go to passionstruck.com where you can sign up for our, our newsletter, look at our tools, and also download the show notes for today's episode. Additionally, you can listen to us every Tuesday and Friday for even more inspiring content. And remember, make a choice, work hard, and step into your sharp edges. Thank you again for joining us. 